What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby, and these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life, it chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington. And I'm Barry Horn. Simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome into another edition of the Ballsy Podcast brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. I'm Sean Bass of The Ticket. Good to be with you once again today in the luxurious studios here at the morning news with kevin sherrington and barry horn and on our phone line right now we need to talk a little nba the finals wrapped up last night is the golden state warriors took care of the Cavs in five for their second title in three years and we are joined by the nba writer of forbes and sporting news also you can hear him on sirius xm on nba radio it is the great mitch lawrence mitch thanks for the time today how you guys doing we're doing we're Very doing well. we're doing great mitch uh, first of all, I'd like to get this out of the way. I'd like to thank you for uh, boarding my uh, daughter and her dog uh, for a little while. It's very nice of you to do that. Uh, absolutely no problem. The bill is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is. Golden State, for sure, very set up to uh, be good and maybe just have a dynasty for the next three to four to heck, yeah. even five years, depending on what they do financially. I'm curious what Cleveland's going to do. It feels like you know they're obviously over the luxury tax. They're Someone maxed out on the financial side. The problem is there doesn't really seem to be a team in the East that can still compete with them. What could they do to better themselves, if anything, or can there can something be done from another competitor in the East to possibly dethrone them and give us a little something new in the finals next year? Or or might LeBron be headed out of Cleveland, Mitch? Well, well, we'll get to all that. Uh, first things about what, what Cleveland can do, what they need to do, uh, is that they need to revamp their bench. they got guys like Richard Jefferson, who's going to be 37, Channing Frye's 34, Darren Williams, who had an awful final. Yeah. He's okay in the playoffs. So they really have to remodel their bench. I mean, if you look at, if you look at their team, uh, they need to add to their three. They can't, you know, people are talking about, you know, the knee-jerk reaction off a loss is to trade Kevin Love. Uh, my, I've talked to people around the league, and what I think is the best move in terms of competing against Golden State and trying to dethrone them is, you have to add a fourth player. That's going to be very hard to do because you mentioned, you know, cap ramifications and all that stuff. They'll resign Kyle Korver. You know, the, the, the guys who are available who, let's say, you're not going to trade, obviously, LeBron, Kyrie, or Kevin Love. I mean, you know, the people want J.R. Smith at his money or Tristan Thompson. Those guys make a lot of money, mm-hmm. and they're great for, for Cleveland, but not, not so much for other teams. Um, I'll tell you, and I wrote about this in my Forbes piece about the future of LeBron, maybe going to L.A. In, in 2018. You know, he's very close with Carmelo Anthony. And if Carmelo Anthony decides he wants to leave the Knicks, it wouldn't be in a trade for Cleveland. It would probably be in a buyout situation. You know, Knicks don't want him around anymore. Phil Jackson's come out and said he needs to go on to another place. The big thing is, you know, Carmelo holds all the power in New York in terms of a no-trade clause. If he feels like finally he's got to give it up and he's got to leave, maybe he'll take a buyout. And, you know, he and LeBron are very close. They're a member of the, you know, they're two of the four banana boat guys with uh, Chris Paul <laughs> and Dwayne Wade. And so, you know, the other thing is if Carmelo goes out there, it would really be um, the, the best-case scenario would not be for his, 
be for him to start, but to come off the bench and be a 24, 28 minute, you know, instant offense guy. Yeah, he's older and he's still, you know, his knees are creaky and he doesn't play defense. But when you're going up against uh, Golden State, you got to, you know, basically outscore him at points. And their defense is pretty bad, too. So I don't think Cleveland's going to reconfigure their team all of a sudden to, you know, be a better defensive team. So some of those are the things uh, they have to do. And in terms of the East, uh, guys, I, you know, the problem with the East is there aren't enough superstars on other teams. You know, you got a John Wall here. And you've got, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan there in Toronto. You don't have a team with two or three, you know, superstars who can compete against Cleveland. So the LeBron, James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love Troika, they, they're 36-5 and five over the last three years in the playoffs against the East, which is a remarkable record. And, you know, they show no signs of slowing up. I don't think Boston's going to be catching them anytime soon. And then Barry uh, was nice enough to uh, mention something I wrote about in Forbes off the game, and this morning was about this whole idea. Has LeBron James laid the groundwork for a move to Los Angeles, not this July in a month, but in 13 months, in July of 18? You know, he's got a house out there, as we all know, on the eve of the finals. Uh, The mansion in Brentwood suffered some damage. Uh, There was, what, a racial epithet uh, that was uh, spray-painted on his fence. But he's he's got a mansion out in L.A. His sons are already... In schools out there, I mean, they've been accepted uh, if they want to go out there. And there are a lot of people who think that LeBron may go out to L.A., whether it's the Lakers or the Clippers, uh, in terms of a move not so much for basketball. Yeah, basketball's still important, but what would he do in his post-playing career? Could it be Hollywood? Could it be part ownership with the Bus family? Could it be part ownership with Dance and Steve Ballmer, the Clipper owner? Who knows? But I'll tell you what, guys, that is something that's a big buzz in the NBA these days. Is what is LeBron James? going to do when his contract's up a year from now. Okay, let's play the hypothetical game there. Say LeBron or Carmelo, whoever goes to L.A., what does that do to the common fan of the league that's been so soured by the super teams, that's been so soured by Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma City and and going to Golden State? What does that do for the league? Would that be, I mean, look, the, the numbers, the TV numbers have been fantastic for this series in particular because of the talent level, but if LeBron makes a move like that, could that potentially kill the popularity of a sport that is just laden with talent and thriving? You know, if LeBron makes one more move, and, you know, let's keep in mind when people tell me, ah, he's never going to move. Well, the guy's already moved twice. I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. natural that like, the moving vans are parked outside his house on a permanent basis. So, you know, if, I think I'd argue if LeBron goes to one of the L.A. teams, that's going to really have a spike in interest because, wow, you got LeBron going out to L.A., he's going to take on – you know, if he's with the Lakers or the Clippers, he's going to take on Golden State up the road, and that's going to be the big battle, and it's going to be one for super team versus another super team. I think there'd be an increase in popularity. Uh, obviously, it would totally kill off the Eastern Conference. I mean, the whole, we all know that the NBA Finals would then be the Western Conference Finals between Golden State and LeBron, which would be interesting. But, no, I think it would actually uh, be pretty cool. And, um, you know, uh, the one thing about LeBron is he already feels like he cemented his legacy in Northeast Ohio. He went back there promising a championship. He delivered. He gave Cleveland their first, uh, its first major sports championship since the 64 Browns. So for everybody in Cleveland that says, ah, he'll never leave because he loves it here, uh, LeBron's already done the heavy lifting there. He feels like he's free to go. And if he thinks like he you know, wants to go to L.A. and team up with Magic Johnson to get that Laker thing turned around real quickly with all those young people – it's, it's amazing. I've had people reach out to me today and say, well, Lakers are just full of young guys. Well, you know what LeBron does? He goes and he asks Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving was a talent 
who wasn't a winner. And when LeBron got up there a couple of years ago, all of a sudden he became a winner. He's a pretty unstoppable guy. I'm not saying that's going to happen with the Lakers, but, I mean, if LeBron goes out and he teams up with a couple of Lakers, let's say a Brandon Ingram, who else they have, I don't know, I mean, he's going to automatically make those guys better, and he'll turn some of those guys into winners. So I know I think I think it would be a hell of a thing for the league if LeBron went west. Mitch, we're sitting here in Dallas, Texas, where there's a team called the Dallas Mavericks. What if uh, Chris Paul winds up in in San Antonio and LeBron yeah. winds up in L.A.? Where does that leave the Mavericks? Can they, can they petition to go to the? Uh, Eastern Conference, like the yeah. Cowboys? Well, they're in the NFC East. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 we'd like to see him in the East. It would help. Um, well, first of all, the Chris Paul thing, which is everybody says it's live, and I've already, you know, I've heard and wrote this months ago. It seemed like that he's already, I mean, he's already got a two hundred seven dollar offer <laughs> in his back pocket. I know he's on every commercial known to man during NBA telecasts. I understand that, but for him to turn down fifty million dollars. I don't know if he can do that, and I don't know. You know, he's the president of the union. I don't know if the union would be cool with that. The other thing is the Spurs have to totally blow up their team, and I'm not putting anything past the Spurs, but I just don't know if they're ready to do that because you'd obviously want him with Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge probably. Yeah. Uh, that would mean one of the moves you'd have to trade Tony Parker, who's basically you know coming off a career-ending type of injury. I don't know what kind of value he has, if anybody would take him. But um, – you know, I, 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 for one, suspect that if LeBron goes west and it's not, obviously, the Lakers, it has to be the Clippers. You know, he and Chris Paul are pretty close, so um, don't put it past them then. But I still have a problem uh, with Chris Paul leaving. And in terms of the Mavericks, um, I don't know what the Mavericks are going to do. I mean, the Mavericks are, they got to rebuild their team. They're trying to rebuild around Harrison Barnes. They didn't, uh, didn't fare very well in the lottery, but that's not a, that's not a big surprise. But, um you know, one of the things that Adam Silver harps on these days, guys, is when people say, well, if you don't get the number one or number two pick, how are you going to build a team? He says, well, look at Golden State. Now, Kevin Durant was the number two overall pick, as we know, 10 years ago. But, you know, Steph Curry was the seventh pick overall. Clay Thompson was the 11th pick overall. Draymond Green was the 35th pick second round. So Adam Silver's point is there's a championship team, a team that basically won 73 games, drafting guys who weren't one or two. So the onus is on the GMs around the league the Donnie Nelsons in Dallas, Phil Jackson up here in New York, you know, if you're drafting 7, 8, 9, 10, you can still get great players, maybe even franchise-altering players. You've got to be smart. You've got to have some vision. So that's the message to the Dallas fans. They've got to hope that the front office can find those guys, you know, way down on the lottery when you're not drafted one or two. So we're seeing Dallas, I guess, mocked uh, Markkinen from Arizona and players like that. Is, is, I, I know this is a deeper draft than we've had in years past. Is there a player that could dip down to number nine that could actually make an impact and get Dallas back to even playoff contention? Well, I'm sure there is, but I'm the wrong person to ask. <laughs> I, I really don't know. I mean, I know, look, I know Markel Foles. Sure. I know Lonzo Ball. I'm trying to figure out what Phil Jackson's going to do. That's never easy. Um, you know, the, this is a very deep draft in terms of point guards. A lot of people think the Aaron Fox, the Kentucky kid, is going to be as good, if not better, than Foles. And ball, we'll see about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know uh, really what uh, you know. Who, look, I'm sure you can get a really good player, but can you really strike it rich? Can you get? Can you find your? And this is going back a few days. Can you find your Carl Malone down where they're drafting guys like that? I mean, it's possible. I mean, look at uh, like I just mentioned. Look where Clay Thompson went. He got drafted, right. you know, 11th. And uh, you know, Curry is still. It's mind-boggling. Two-time MVP, unanimous MVP, comes out of the seven-hole with a Minnesota drafting right before them, 
you know, and Minnesota having two picks and going for two point guards, Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn, and uh, they're still, you know, they're still looking for a point guard up there. Not just one aside. I mean, it's the Barry and um, and uh, what's the other guy's name here, Kevin. Um, <laughs> you know, they know that David uh, Khan wow. used to be a sports writer out in Oregon and other places, and he somehow wangled his way to be the GM of the Minnesota Timberwolves, and he's the one responsible for passing over Steph Curry as he was running the Timberwolves not once but twice. So the bottom line there, the lesson for everybody is, if you're looking for a GM, don't go hire a sports Well, player. he's no, he's no <laughs> longer employed by the Timberwolves, correct? Oh, he's long gone. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's long gone. But, I mean, he was the one who made those picks. And, I mean, they also, at one point, and I know this guy's viewed as a head case, but he also had a chance to get DeMarcus Cousins. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. Your, your basketball people have to really, you know, they got to be really on it, and they got to have some – they got to have some real, you know, courage to draft people who they think are going to be top-flight people. And, you know, conversely, you know, when you're drafting like Magic Johnson at two, Danny Ainge at one, you can't miss on those type of picks, whether it's Fultz and Lonzo Ball. You really got to hit home. And I love how Jerry West came out the other day, and he basically said publicly how Magic can't afford to mess it up and he can't afford to miss out on it. And that's because I think Jerry West is still a little mad that Magic didn't hire him back to be a consultant. Mm. But... Be that as it may, it makes for interesting talk. So how long is it going to take the Mavericks? Isn't the best thing that can happen to them is to be back in the lottery again next year? Is this a Dallas program? Are we getting all these Maverick questions because it's a <laughs> yeah, Dallas well, program? Yes, we are. We're, we're, yeah. we're trying to get Maverick fans uh, are get subscribed. Excited? Yeah. yeah, get them excited. Well, no, just get them, get, get them interested. Yeah, well, and, and, oh, Kevin, what was the question again? <laughs> you know, Mitch, I'm sorry I'm boring you. Uh, <laughs> listen, isn't the best thing that can happen for the Mavs that yeah. they would be right back in the lottery next year? Well, yeah. I mean, and maybe win it or maybe, you know, get a better pick. But, yeah, I mean, when you're building a team and you want to build – I mean, we, we look at Dallas and it hasn't been a destination for free agents. So you're not rolling out the red carpet and throwing money at people because nobody's taking it, right? So – you want to build the right, you know, you, not the right way, but you want to build getting really good players who can become great players in the draft. Yes. So, yeah, you don't want to do what Philadelphia did, <laughs> just basically tank and draft a bunch of hurt, you know, wounded players, injured guys. But you want to get, you know, pick up a bunch of, you know, two or three guys who are top flight players. Now, having said that, you know, look at, look at the Lakers. You know, they had – you know, two number two picks, D'Angelo Russell and Brandon Ingram. They had a number seven over pick, Julius Randle. None of those guys right now look like they're going to be all-stars. Right. You know, they're, they're good players. They're okay players. But, you know, D'Angelo Russell doesn't make people better. He's not a great shooter. He might be out the door anyway in a pull of George Strait. And, you know, Julius Randle is limited. And these were guys who were taken in the top seven picks. So, you know, sometimes you look at it and you go, yeah, even with a team with those type of uh, draft picks, you know what, you got to cash in. So, yeah, the Mavericks are going to have to cash in. And, and yeah, you don't want to be – I see your point. I mean, you don't want to be a team that, you know, gets to 30, 35 wins, and then you're on this treadmill. And, you know, you can't get off that, and then you have to blow it up. And also you want to be really bad, then really good. If you can get, if you can do that in one jump, that'd be great. Mitch, it feels like there's going to be a number of years before the Mavericks are prominent again. And I'm sure a lot of fans in Western Conference – markets feel that way because of what Golden State is. You you detailed how they were composed to the draft. Do you feel like that 
and and maybe it's because he wasn't on the sideline a lot during the postseason, just came back in the middle of the finals with his back issue. Do you feel like Steve Kerr is sort of getting lost uh, or getting glossed over a bit by the national media and the job he's done uh, putting together what could be one of the best dynasties we've seen in our lifetime? No, I, I you know I, I think in the opposite. I think I think because of the back injury and everything Steve's gone through, really two years. You know, it's two years since he ruptured a disc in his back, jumping off the bench in Game Five of the '15 Finals. Um, because of everything he's gone through, he's missed a ton of games. He missed, what, 11 games in this playoff run. Mm-hmm. He missed a half a season last year. Uh, he's a guy who people know so well because of his TV work. Um, uh, even people who don't go back to his playing days, they know about him being a very, you know, when you he, when he heard him on TV, he was like a common guy. He, he, he speaks very concisely and well, and he really has this, a lot of great, you know, self-deprecating humor. And he's a funny guy. And I think that a lot of people were pulling for him. They want to see him get back on the bench. It was amazing. You know, Golden State didn't even think he was going to be back on the bench the day before he even returned. What was that for game two? But, yeah. um, no, I think, I think people know that, the, you know, it's not, you know, everybody assumes that a guy like that just, you know, rolls the ball out. He's got all this talent. And he even said in the, in the postgame last night when he got players who are talented and they're unselfish and they want to pass and they want to help each other, that really, you know, that really helps you be successful. But, there's a lot of coaching that goes in. I mean, he's got this Draymond Green nut. I don't know if you heard of him, but, I mean, he's just, you know, he can, he's a wild child. He's a guy who, you know, I mean, we saw him in the, in the game, in, in the finals in game four and, and how he blows up. And so you have individual players you have to deal with. I'm sure for Steve, you know, one of the big things he had to do this year was to, uh, and I'm sure a lot will come out now, is this, how did he get, you know, a two-time MVP in Steph Curry to kind of take sure. out of back seat but a guy who had to accommodate Kevin Durant. And you knew the only tricky thing about that, I think we all thought it would blend really well because all these guys, they went out to recruit Kevin Durant for starters. It wasn't like management said, hey, you got, we're bringing in Kevin Durant, whether you guys like it or not. So Steph Curry was involved in recruiting. But even still, you know, as a guy, as a unanimous MVP, and all of a sudden you're bringing in one of the top scorers, maybe the second-best player, third-best player in the game. So there's some adjusting there, as we saw at different parts of the season, and Steve was involved with that. And uh, so, no, I think I think we're all, uh, you know, everybody's happy for Steve. And it looks like, I mean, I've always felt that if this thing couldn't get resolved with the back, maybe Steve walks away. But now it looks like he's fine. Hopefully, it will continue. And he's, yeah, he's looking at a at a run where, you know, he's. I'm sure he's thinking about in some ways his legacy. What is Steve Kerr right now? Well, he's won two titles. He's one of these coaches who's you know won two titles in the first what three or four years of his coaching career that hasn't been done done a lot. He's you know obviously writing his ticket to the Hall of Fame. He goes and he starts winning you know multiple three, four, five titles. He'll become an all-time coach. Mitch, I, I go back and forth on this almost hourly. Kevin Durant, do you blame Kevin Durant or? When you think of Kevin Durant leaving yeah. Oklahoma City, to I hated go, it. you hated it. <laughs> yeah, what? I did because I, I look. For, first of all, remember the circumstances. They were the Thunder was six minutes, five minutes away from upsetting a seventy-three win team mm-hmm. and going to the finals. So they were a championship contender. I'm not saying they beat Cleveland, but they were obviously close. And what I didn't like was that Kevin Durant left that situation after an awful Game 6 loss uh, where he and Russell Westbrook basically imploded, if you can believe that, at home, and lost Game 7, and then he decided he was going to go and join the team that beat him. And because it's a generational thing, and I'm, you know, 
approaching 60, and I covered the league a long time, I, I really prefer the superstars who just want to beat the other guy. I want to see Larry Bird beat Magic Johnson. I don't want to see people join forces. I've always kind of just looked at it as it's a little, you know, I don't even know what the word is, but this whole player uh, buddy system that, you know, starts and it germinates in the AAU, and guys are friendly, and guys are really, it seems like there's not a lot of competitive, the, the level of competition, the spirit of competition isn't what it was when guys didn't really know about each other, and they just wanted to kick everybody's butts, whether it was Michael Jordan or, you know, whoever. And even up more recently than that, just, just not in the 80s, but even more recently than that, I didn't, I, don't, I didn't like Kevin Durant leaving to go to that team. People say, well, are you okay with him leaving and going to Boston? No, I want him to see him stick it out with Russell Westbrook now. I understand Russell Westbrook's a pain in the butt to play with. Yeah. But, you know, what, what, what you have to remember is Kevin Durant went to a ready-made championship team. I mean, is that such a tough deal? You know, when LeBron left Cleveland, people say, oh, it's like LeBron. LeBron never played with a player of Russell Westbrook's stature, an all-NBA type of player when he was in Cleveland. He couldn't get guys there in trades. They couldn't get guys there to play as free agents. Shaq got there. He was 500 pounds and 50 years old or whatever he was. And so he had to leave. So I didn't have any problems with that. And then he went to play with guys, and there was no championship that was ready-made where he went. And he saw that the first year when the Mavericks beat them in the first go-round for the big three back in 2011. So there are big differences between the Durant move and then LeBron's move. And I, I also, even though I'm sitting up here in New York, I look at teams like Oklahoma City and Orlando who have lost game changers, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, those type of guys. These franchises in these small markets, they never recover from that, guys. They never recover. I mean, Orlando went to one, you know, they've been to a finals with Dwight Howard, fine. They never recovered, really, from the loss of Shaquille O'Neal. And Oklahoma City, you know, Russell Westbrook had to fight tooth and nail and do a billion triple doubles for them to make, what, seventh place, sixth place, whatever it was. And so I don't like it from a competition standpoint. I don't like it for the small markets. I think it's bad for the league. But, you know, Kevin Durant, he wanted to win titles. He took a shortcut. That's what basically it comes down to. You said that there's this buddy system in the AAU culture, but do you think because there's such a depth of talent right now that we've never seen before in the league that guys like Kevin Durant, who are good competitors, feel like this is the only way I'm going to win a title? And if that's the case, why are we so quick to blame them? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm getting the question. Um, well, I'm just saying there's there's so much talent right now in the league. I think you could argue even on well, bad teams only, there's marquee talent. So now we're, we're at a point where if you're not on one of these select few teams, you're not going to win a championship. So so why are we so quick to blame Kevin Durant for that? Well, the thing about the talent is, I mean, Kevin Durant, you know, if you, if you did the draft today, you'd still take LeBron one. I don't care what Paul Pierce says. But mm-hmm. you're going to take Kevin Durant two probably, then Curry. So, I mean – you know, you don't have you, – you've got how many, how many transcendent players do we have in the league now? Probably three. I'm not counting Kawhi Leonard. I'm not counting James Harden. I'm not counting Russell Westbrook. You have three guys for two teams. I don't see how that's good. And you have a lot of, you know, you have a lot of other talent on the next level down. But obviously, you know, if a guy like Kawhi Leonard goes down, you've got no chance, as you saw at San Antonio. James Harden, limited. Russell Westbrook, very limited. I mean, yeah, you got a lot of talent, and you know the players today because they're on commercials. We all look at them as being these Mount Rushmore types. A lot of them aren't that good. 
you know, a lot of it is they make a lot of money. The league is in a position where now there's so much money. Guys are basically, you know, salaries are inflated. The way the game is played now, it's easier to score. There are a lot of things that kind of blow up players artificially. But when when push comes to shove and you're on the court, they're still not better than LeBron James. or They're still not better than Curry and Durant. So my argument is, where is all the talent, real talent? All right, the risk of uh, really being a train wreck here, because I know how much Mitch hates to talk about it, but in the draft, yeah, the Mavericks are waiting to find out what Phil Jackson is going to do, as you are. Now, yeah. who who do you think give, – give us your top yeah. three picks for Phil Jackson at this point. Well, the Knicks really need a point guard very, very badly. Walt Frazier was at the lottery – He's about their last good point guard. <laughs> Clyde. Clyde. Okay. So the deal is they got to get themselves a point guard. And now this was set up this year where, boy, just like Dallas, if they could have gotten one or two and taken Fultz or Ball, then your rebuilding is off to the races. But they're looking at the kid from France, Frank Tilakina is his name. And he wants to play in New York. You know, all these guys want to play in New York. Wait till they get here and figure it and find out they got to play this crazy triangle offense nobody plays. But he's apparently a guy they're looking at. There's a guard from North Carolina State. I think his name is Dennis Smith. Yeah. Uh, they're looking at him. And I'm telling you what, guys, he might actually drop in this draft because I'm hearing a lot of things about his on court, uh, the way he plays, comports himself, that are turning teams off, whether it's not playing hard in games necessarily whether it's a teammate's not liking um, and on and on and on. And, I mean, this is stuff that is pretty well out there in the NBA. So, who knows, you know, he might drop. But Phil's looking, I think, at those two guys. I, I, I'm not sure, you know, people think Malik Monk, the Kentucky scorer, might be there. I'm not sure if he's going to drop to where, where the Knicks are. But the big thing for Phil Jackson is he has to look at, if I'm going to build around Porzingis, Kristaps Porzingis, who regressed last year after a really good rookie year, regressed last year, but he needs to add a chip to him. He's got to go for backcourt help because, you know, Derrick Rose, you know, bye-bye to him. He went AWOL during the season. Now he's going to go AWOL for good. And um, he, they, they need to really upgrade that point guard position because it's just really been bad the last few years. So I don't know what Phil's going to do. He's probably going to look for a kid who can play in the triangle offense, which makes no sense, but that's the way they operate here. So, you know, we'll see. So it's probably going to be a point guard instead of a – if Malik Monk is there, would they, would they rather take him or would they rather have a point guard? Good question. That's a very good question. You know, everybody loves Malik Monk scoring. Uh, the thing you have to worry – now wonder about, too, the thing that you factor in is, okay, if they get a Malik Monk, can they go then overpay a free agent like Drew Holiday from the Pelicans? His name's been out there a bunch with the Knicks. Of course – New Orleans is going to try everything they can do to, to uh, resign him, but maybe the Knicks have a game plan where they've gotten indications from Holiday's people that he'll come to New York. Then maybe you take Monk as your off guard. You got Drew Holiday, Porzingis, and and that's it. So we'll see. So a lot of it also depends on what their plans are on free agency. The Mavs are think, thinking the same things about people like Holiday. Do you think it's better to? I guess Holiday's what twenty seven. Better to, to take somebody like uh, – to sign someone like him and then use that pick on a Markinen or or, yeah. or whoever, Jonathan Isaac, if he falls that far, which he probably Whoa. will. Whoa. Uh, you can get Jonathan Isaac that far. That's that's good. I don't know. Maybe that's bad. He shouldn't fall that far. A lot of people really like him. But right. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it, a lot depends on, you know, the age trajectory of your teams. I mean, you know, who you have. How old is Harrison Barnes these days? I've lost track. I think, I, I, think he, I don't think he's that 26. old. Is he that old? I think so. Oh, wow. I yeah. didn't realize he was that old. So, I mean, you might want to look at Drew Holley paired well with him. That would look pretty good, you know, if you can. But, you know, the Matt, you know, I mean, the Knicks free agency-wise, you know, they haven't done a lot. You know, they, they, they haven't landed the guy they've been really looking for for a while. And the Mavericks, we all know their history down there. I mean, they can't get any, you know, they got people to come in to visit and to drive up the price somewhere else, use them as leverage. So I don't know what the Mavericks can do at this point. I don't know much about Mark, and, you know, I've heard his name. I've seen him play. But in terms of uh, what, what he would bring and how they would fit him in and all that, good question. Well, Mitch, we do appreciate the time. And, uh, man, uh, an interesting time in the NBA with what we have in Cleveland and Golden State. We saw a lot of talent in the finals. And uh, thanks for just talking a lot of NBA topics with us this afternoon. We definitely appreciate it. Well, guys, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll talk to you down the road, all right? All right. Thanks, Tell man. Coach hello. Thanks, thanks. Tell Coach hello. Is that the dog's name? That's the dog's name, yeah. There he is, Mitch Lawrence. You can hear him on uh, XM, NBA, uh, Sirius XM, NBA Radio, and also read his uh, work uh, with the Sporting News and Forbes.com. Uh, so he really thinks the NBA is not that talented <laughs> just because guys are getting paid, yet I can look at the – NBA uh, all team uh, all NBA teams and Steph Curry is on the second team. So you're telling me we're not at a the greatest depth of talent we've ever seen. I, I think when he says transcendent player, he's talking about a, play, a player that, that could, could carry that team. could carry a team to a title. You know, um, I, I I think we, what we but saw there is no one player anymore. Basically, that's what we're, we're learning. Well, I mean, you look at it. You have to have two at least two. Is maybe. LeBron is LeBron James? Uh, how many players would you put in front of him? None. All time. None. Oh, all, all time. time? All one. Time. One. I put Jordan. One, maybe, maybe Wilt. I don't know. Yeah, maybe one of the other big guys. Uh, you know, it's a different game now. Kareem so was a pretty good player. You, you know, yeah. you you look at his stats and his numbers, and you you don't say who it is. You say he this guy did this. Would you like that? And it, they're remarkable. Well, they're, they're remarkable. But it's a different game now. You know, it's that was the other day when they when they crunched all those numbers and they said that Durant and uh, Curry were the best pair. On any team ever in the finals. That's yeah, sure. And and, it, and yeah, if you look back, you can look and see the, all the other times there was a a, a Kareem, Jordan, and, Jordan and an Oscar Pippen. Robinson. There was a Shaq and Kobe, Magic and Worthy. Yeah, most of the time they were big. There was a big guy involved, mm-hmm. and now the big guys disappeared from the NBA. So it is it is kind of it's become a different kind of game now from what it was. I just, I just can't buy the fact that somebody considered and say that, oh, yeah, just because they're getting paid and they're scoring points because everything's opened up now, that means the skill level is – I mean, you could look at bad teams. You could look at lottery teams, and there's two guys that you could pick off any roster and go, I want that guy on my team, no questions asked. He would be in my starting five. I, I don't think that was the case in my youth in the 90s when, well, when you saw the dregs of the league and there was just a bunch well, of spares. The, the shooting is so much better now oh my than God. it used to be. I mean, it used to be if a guy shot 42%, 43%, that was really good. Yeah. Uh, and that was from two-point range, not not three-point range. So it, the the game is, is, has changed a lot, and, and it is yeah, – I, I get what Mitch is saying. I'm not, I wouldn't be quite as you know uh, restrictive as he is about – how many guys can make a difference? I mean, you put John Wall on a different team, slightly better team. You're talking about a guy that's probably winning a title at some point. You put 
I don't know, pick anybody on the All NBA roster. You put them but on you would need a John, slightly but better team. You would team. need John Wall and right. Barry's sure. right. You need at least two guys. Sure. You probably need three. Well, teams are smart. You know, they uh, they they either draft a guy and then they can lock him up forever. Or they they go and lure that free agent to play with the guy they they lo- they've locked up forever, and those are the teams. I mean, that's that's the beauty of San Antonio, really, in, in the past decade and a half, is what they were able to do with getting Duncan, getting Parker, getting Ginobili, and then churning their roster over and over by adding you know pieces, big and and spending good money for the, for those pieces too. I would also say that I, I disagree with about uh, when you have dynasties. I think dynasties are good for sports. Oh. You look at any era of when the Yankees win twenty seven World Series. Is was that a bad thing? No, no. Look at the NFL. Thing. Just you know, in, in our lifetime, seventies Steelers, Cowboys. You know, eighties sure, Forty Niners. That's what people talk 90s, about. Nineties Cowboys, you know, Niners. I mean, it's, it's my, great. My, my biggest yeah, argument Patriots for that now. always is the Florida Marlins won two World Series and nobody cares. Not no. even the people in Florida. No, the people in Miami could care less about that That's franchise. Right. It's crazy. So, so when you have parity and you have, okay, everybody has a chance to win, but it's good in that market. It's good in, in Kansas City or it's good in, you know, in Miami or, you know, or it's good in Buffalo. It's not good for the market nationally. You know, people want to see – you want to measure yourself against the greatest teams. When you – in the late 90s when the, when the Rangers couldn't get past the Yankees, and that was – Tragic that they could not, yeah. but the thing they is, couldn't it, win a game. If they no, they did. They, they won one game. Well, but they, as a Ranger fan, you took solace in the fact that you lost to the team to the Yankees to the dynasty. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And if you could have beaten the Yankees, then it, think how much more it means. Then if you then if you kind of everybody wants to win a World Series, that's what, you win it any way you can. That's what makes the Mavericks title over LeBron absolutely so much more special. Absolutely, and it, and it does sort of suck that. You know, now LeBron's three and five in the finals, and people still want to make the argument like, well, that's just more proof he's not better. Who cares if he's better than Jordan? Just appreciate what we have. Right. Like, yeah, and appreciate this dynasty that we're about to, that yeah. we're in the middle of with Golden State. Just as a sports fan, you just have to let go and go, look, I don't need to be so stuck to my heels dug in position in this barroom debate I'm having. Just sit back and watch. I mean, this five games are the most talent I've ever seen in the finals. And, I'll always remember that, even though it wasn't a remarkable series. I'll always know that we had KD, we had Curry, we had Clay, we had LeBron, and we had Kyrie all coming together with you, you had a, a, a great coach in Steve Kerr who could be, for all we know, a, a, what, four, five, six rings, however many he wants to win. You had a guy who threw the ball off the backboard and dunked it. Yes. I mean, what, what have you ever seen that in a final? Never. Never. It was like, it was like an old a- Globetrotter game. Well, I was going to say, or, or an old <laughs> ABA game. When Dr. J was playing, Connie Hawkins. Yeah, and Connie Hawkins. You see that kind of stuff back then, but that that's phenomenal. I, it's it's too bad the games weren't more competitive, uh, and uh, and and that's and that's a that's a problem. But that's a problem in in any championship finals. You you see that all the time. How many times have we seen Super Bowls and they do, were do bad? you want to see an 87, 86 competitive game? No, no. But I will say this now: I don't see anything wrong with defense if it's good defense. It wins. It, it But that the problem is, is there's no defense anymore because people are shooting from. 35 feet out. How do you defend that? The spacing in the NBA is yeah, so crazy right now. It is crazy. I, and I loved, hard. I loved block shots. I loved defense in the lane. I loved it when people came inside and that's what happened. You know, and, and that, I was kind of raised on that kind of basketball. 
So that's great stuff to me. But there's no way, there's none of that anymore, you know, because of this, as Sean said, because of the spacing now, there's just no way to, to do that anymore. You, you, it, that's really become, when Sergi Baca can leave Oklahoma City and everybody acts like it's no big deal, right. guy's a tremendous shot blocker, mm-hmm. that tells you everything you need to know about the NBA today. Well, and people are saying, well, this is good for the finals, this is good for the TV numbers over a certain, you know, a couple of weeks. However, there is an argument to be made. If you have super elite teams like this that are no-brain conference champions that are going to be in the finals, it does screw so, over the regular season a little bit, which is sad because if you actually uh, – we I have the league pass in my house, and the last five minutes of games are great. Every night I can just find – and it doesn't matter who it is. Like I said, there's enough talent on every team in the league that you're intrigued by watching this guy or this guy go up against that certain guy. So are you saying, Kevin, the Mavericks would be making a mistake – Putting all that money in a center, a defensive center, Nerlens Noel. No, not that. But you're not paying that much money for him. What's he going to get a he, max contract? It's like, is it ninety six million? Is that yeah, what but he works in like this that. NBA because he can get up and down the court so well. He can. He's very athletic. No, that's that. But that's not. You're not paying two hundred million like like uh, the Clippers are going to pay. You know, uh, Chris Paul. It's not that kind of money. I mean, it's all a lot of money, man. I mean, look look at the guys we're talking about in Cleveland. That's what we're talking about. You know, you know, all all those guys on the bench, they're all making a lot of money. And that that's the one thing that will happen to me with Golden State is how do they pay all these guys? Well, you know, for the next two three years, they're actually they're o- set. They're okay. I mean, I think Draymond's Ugh. free in two or three years, and Clay's going to come up in a few years. But that's but my point but, is, but at that point, God, they might say, "I just want to go be the guy somewhere you know, else." Just I, to see I, what yeah, that's I, th- right. I think the I think we're we're making a mistake when we're ju- we're just giving, we're just willing Golden State uh, awarding them the next couple. Of, Absolutely, you know, I, I, even I, if they win the next couple, two or three, I don't think they will though. Yeah, there's one team though that could. There's only something, there's only you never one know. Team. Everybody's an injury away. Or but the problem is with Golden State, they're two injuries away. That, 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 that's how they've safeguarded themselves. Right. They but can he, lose Clay Thompson and still win the West. But here's but the could thing. They, could they lose uh, Kevin Durant and still win the West? I think so. Yeah, we've seen that. Yeah, they, they well, we, but we, they've won the West, but what happened? Oh, Brian, are we bothering you, Brian? Brian, Brian wants, wants us to wrap, to wrap it up. up. Yeah. No, I just want to say one last thing here is that if the, even if they win the next two or three years, is that such an awful thing? No. Because they won't last any longer than that. It'll be like their entire selfish. dynasty will have lasted five or six years. Listen, if as long Is as we can awful? watch, as long as we can watch Doris Burke do her job better than anybody on earth, I think we all. Wow, are. Are, you, are you being sarcastic? No, I think Doris Burke is amazing. Really? Yes. I mean, the way she handled the podium last night, I mean, yeah, the sideline stuff is great. I mean, a lot of people can do that. But with her on the fly and sounding so polished and, you know, I've heard her on telecast in the chair, she's, she's fantastic. She, she's one of the best talents in broadcasting. A shout-out for Doris Burke. Doris Burke. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan. All right, and so now we're going we're gonna to check out of here, Sean. Yes, we are going to check out of here. Thanks to Mitch Lawrence. Uh, again, you can read him at the Sporting News and Forbes and on Sirius XM NBA Radio. You can tune in to him. And uh, thanks for tuning into this podcast. We'll be talking to Evan Grant as the Rangers are down in Houston. And uh, you guys talked to Gary Myers with the little Cowboys and NFL earlier. So be sure to download all of that. Thanks to Brian, the engineer, who wants us to wrap up. And Kevin and Barry, I'm Sean. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Balls with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.